The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond, 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 beyond. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 315. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the Dark Knight of News, who was slapped in the face the entire <laughs> intro hey. by the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm all right. My stomach hurts. And what else is new? Yeah. From running through my mind story. all day. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's not how that works. <laughs> that's not. I mean, I guess so. You get the cramp. You get the old cramp from running. What what? Are you oh, you're doing you're doing your little you're doing your little mocking of the podcast yeah. setup. Yeah, I don't bit. see you in here making it any better. It's like that. Isn't there an episode of Seinfeld where they do that too, where they're, where they're talking to each other on the? Yeah, it's it's. Um, the there's the one where one? when Jerry gets yeah. his Jerry gets his kitchen redone and he has like the cabinets. That yeah, are but there's everything. there's just a small scene like when they're in the movie theater or something where they're they're doing one of the, talking <laughs> to each other. Okay, like so I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, let me get out of the way now. You're not in the way at all. I can see everybody. <laughs> you're kind of in the way. You you're, are you're doing the thing where you're rotating your, your mouth away from the mic and doing like one of these de- deals. The yeah, yeah that is thing. bizarre. And yeah. then, on the anchor, you might know him as the apologetic wiki editor, Jared Petty. <laughs> wiki editor? Greetings. Wiki editor. Oh. I'd, I'd rather you be a wiki editor. You keep everything you want to hear today. We, uh, I said intense would, and purpose. As much yeah. as I enjoy being a wiki editor, being a wiki editor would be, be much uh, better. That yeah, was absolutely. Anthony Gallego. Yeah. Sorry, comes from Kashik. Oh man, um, Kashik with like three Y's. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so Jared apologizes a lot, and we made a, uh, an apology jar. He puts in twenty five cents every time he apologizes. We're going to buy a pizza party because yeah. there's so much How goddamn money in it. Yeah, there's so I had, like five hundred dollars uh, probably. He apologizes all the time. Seven bucks in a week. Okay, wow. Twenty eight apologies. See, this is this is shades of may he rest in peace, old. Ryan Clements. Mm, he, he was he was a big time apologizer when he first pipe. got here. Added into bagpipe. Except that's, that's a trumpet. I don't know how to make. I guess the bagpipe is like. <laughs> <laughs> Except that Ryan Clements was morning, in, infinitely more talented than I am. I, I mean that. That's, I, uh, no. I appreciate the comparison. You've been working on that Grand Theft Auto, that Grand Theft Auto Online. I have been working on the Grand Theft Auto for about a month. That's been my life. Yeah, that's uh, a good life to have. I, I play it's GTA and then I play GTA some more. And how long have you it. been here at IGN now? Uh, this is uh, this is about my third month, I think. It's so weird because I think of you as a new guy, but there are like forty other new guys that are newer than yeah, you. Yeah, you're like so. an old old timer now. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it, it, that's, I still feel new. It's the place still has the new car smell to me. Definitely, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm still like, ooh, happy, happy, happy everywhere I go. So it's it's. <laughs> I don't know where I don't know. Start walking to that area. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's right across like from your desk. Yeah. Yeah. Colin's still like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, happy, every day. Happy, happy. <laughs> Colin's popping around. 
Slitting his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> this place is is easily the best place to work I've ever been. Okay. I, mean, it's, it's, I feel pretty good about it. You came it, from so. South Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina. South Carolina Raise is... Up. Take your shirt yeah, off. Yeah, South Carolina is like a helicopter. That's a North Carolina song. Oh, okay. Is that a North Carolina song? I'm well, the song okay. involves North Carolina. It's a rap song. Oh, uh, which song is this? I don't know. Oh, it, it goes North Carolina, take your shirt off, spin it around your head like a helicopter. It's actually a remake. It's a cover of a Mozart tune. Ooh, oh, really? Ooh thanks, Bar. <laughs> Lyrical Mozart. I'm glad we're all Time to go. <laughs> all right, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news. It's a good one this week. Is it? Or is it? No, not no, really. That's not a good one. Number one, the most important item of the week. Right. Tales of Symphonia Chronicles has a release date. And by the way, I accidentally said this was a PS4 game on Twitter. Got re- uh got retweeted like 40 times because no one wants to read the next tweet that I sent where I'm like, <laughs> I actually meant it was a PS3 game. But okay. In Europe and Australia, it will launch on February 28th, 2014. We're standing by for confirmation on a North American release date. I assume it might be even sooner than that. Chronicles combines Tales of Symphonia with Dawn of the New World and is coming exclusively to PS3. Very excited about that. Yeah? Yeah. Did Tell you us- play Kingdom Hearts over the weekend? You were, you Not were- yet. I haven't played anything So you're still yet. jonesing for these JRPGs yeah. and business. I'm writing a little something about this, too. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I went, you know, I've been going hiking every weekend. Yeah. For some <laughs> so reason. So weird. And I went hiking in the Marin Headlands with my girlfriend, and I, I rolled my ankle. You got hurt, and that oh. was the end of that. I, and, no and, more hiking for Colin. And Greg was making fun of me. Like, I was walking around the house. Like, he was, I was walking like, around like he was, like, an ex-football player or something. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, he's all hobbled, trying to get over to the freaking sink to get more mayonnaise. <laughs> Are you a Tails guy, Colin? Yeah, I'm a yeah. big Tails guy. Yeah. Okay. Are you a not Tails guy, Jared? Uh, yeah, I like Tails. Not yeah. all. Not yeah. indiscriminately. Sure, but, sure, uh, sure, Yeah, sure, the sure, good sure. one, sure. Absolutely. Uh, to be clear, I'm not a Tails guy for Sonic, because Sonic sucks. <laughs> We just want to Come point on, that man. out real let's quick. Not, let's not <laughs> knock Tails, because he was pretty awesome he when was. he debuted. He could fly, remember? I, I never got tails. that. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that miles per hour joke until I was like 30. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that was stupid. Number two. Lightning Returns Final Fantasy XIII apparently has over 50 hours of gameplay. Yes. If it's like anything like Final Fantasy XIII, that's 50 hours too many hours. Oh. No, it's really good. Uh, Marty and I played it. That game looks so, so, so rad. I it does actually look really good. Game. It's uh, really cool. It's open world from the second you start. It's um, really smart. I, if you give a shit about the story, there's some it's story It's open stuff world? Too. It's open world, really. Well, that that area. So, like, you start in the grasslands? The old grasslands. So, like so, it's like a Final Fantasy game, but not... Like, I mean, it's uh, still the structure of, like, what 13.2 did, which is basically, like, you can jump around from area to area, talk to people, accept side quests, but then you can also do your, your main stuff. But they've, they've abandoned that, like, mineshaft approach of Final Fantasy 13. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's, fucking game. it's probably... So Come, I'm going to take 45 hours in, we didn't, it's really good. We didn't play it from the very beginning, so I don't know if it literally opens that way, but I okay. do know that, yeah, like, at a certain point, you get access to the train station, you can go from Luxurion to uh, Grasslands to... Dead dunes to all those other areas, and then here, here. you can talk to people and go where you want. That when, good. when I was, uh, you know, Final Fantasy thirteen, I knew that game was gonna be bad, so I just tried to stay away from it. Right? It's not bad. And then when, when you know, I, I was still in Gods at the time, so I was uh, Mark Ryan was like, uh, "We want you to do boss videos for Final Fantasy thirteen." So, so I had, I had to play it. Yeah, the, the videos Bar- you should go watch. There's a Barthandalus video with Colin. <laughs> it is like one of my favorite videos on the site because it's like after like a minute of gameplay, Colin comes in. He's like, "Oh, hey, it's your boy Colin. Today we're fighting." Barthandalus, and then like you like you're like so monotone. You clearly hate it the whole time. I love it so much. And I, I just wanted to scream when I was playing the game the entire time. I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, uh, get that, your pillow screaming. Yeah, too, I, like, it did open up thirty hours into it though. I'll tell I'm you uh, I'm super excited for that game. Number three. If you're in North America and you subscribe to PlayStation Plus, you're in luck. Yay! Yay. Hotline Miami for PlayStation Three, PlayStation Vita. 
is free. That's a great game. Beginning today. One of my favorite video games. October 22nd. Wow. A bunch of horror-themed games like okay. Dead Island, Dead Nation, and Resident Evil are also discounted. Yarr. Spooky. You should play Dead Nation. Because that game's yeah. awesome. Number four. This is a big piece of news here, I think, for Final well, Fantasy it fans. could be. Square Enix has com- uh, c- created a new committee to oversee the quality of the Final Fantasy franchise. Although what the nature of this committee is remains to be seen. Square Enix confirms to IGN that the committee exists and promises new information shortly. Rumors are swirling that members of the committee include... A Chocobo, a Moogle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ryan Clements. Uh, Na- uh, so Naoki Yoshida is apparently on it. He's the old Dragon Quest director. So that's that's pretty good because Dragon Quest is awesome. Is Mr. Slime yeah. on it? Uh, yeah, Mr. Slime's on it. He also uh, pro- or directed and produced uh, Final Fantasy XIV and Realm Reborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hajime Tabata, who's uh, Crisis Core creator, uh, also made the Final Fantasy game, uh, Agito, that uh, never came out here, uh, and Final Fantasy XV. So we don't even know what the nature of that is. Uh, uh, Motomu Toriyama, who is the director of Final Fantasy XIII and XIII 2, who should get the hell out of that committee <laughs> if he's on it. Uh, and Yoshinori Katase, who is Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII's director. And these are uh, all rumored, you said. These are the rumored m- members of the committee. I yeah. love it. It's like a secret society. <laughs> Everyone's locked away. They can't they talk. They all dress as like black mages. Yeah, they all come in yeah, and they hooded things. This like, is good. This is good because they're finally starting to acknowledge um, that Final Fantasy needs something like this. It needs someone yeah. to oversee... The flagship, as it were. Uh, and I was a little disappointed that Final Fantasy VI was announced, and they're going to kind of redo it in the Final Fantasy V style. They did it on iOS and Android. They're going to release it on iPhone. It's like, why are you guys but doing this? But that's what's this? so interesting. There, there are two <laughs> different branches to this, right? Like, there is the actual development of the, the newer core games, which is, like, obviously Final Fantasy XV, Lightning Returns, and, and that stuff. And, and, you know, I guess to some extent, A Realm Reborn. Like, in that way, I feel like they're actually getting better in a really interesting direction right now. I think that stuff's exciting. I think the bigger problem and why you need something like this is the, the brand equity, like, the actual what is Final Fantasy question. I think that's what they need to work on because, yeah, like, like all the Bravest and all the weird mobile stuff and, you know, whatever the fuck they're doing with, like, the tactics thing shoved onto iOS rather than doing a full one. Like, that's the kind of strategic stuff I think they need to question, but I, I'm actually really excited for 15 and yeah, for Lightning I, Returns. I'm worried about what you're talking about there. I, I think it's taken on a life of its own. I mean, they've been doing it for so long. At the at, at the end of the GBA, beginning of the DS era, the stuff was already ramping up and, and on mobile in Japan and, and uh, on those platforms over here. And it's just rolled and rolled and rolled. And, and so many terrible games, along with a few really good ones, uh, they've, they've undercut their, their credibility externally. Being a Japanese company, that takes a while to realize internally, uh, just the way they function, I think, if, I, if I'm making a very general assumption there. But I do worry that even with this committee, it's going to be hard to rein that in. Um, just because these things, how do you do that? Do you just say, look, nothing happens in the Final Fantasy universe now unless we check it off? And if that's the case, I mean, how much micromanagement do you have going on? Can you do that when you're developing, you know, six or seven games across mobile When you're a secret society, you can do anything. There is that. The Midnight Society. I, 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 I've heard rumors pr- that they're oh, call God, it that. Could you imagine if they walked in and submitted for the approval of the Final <laughs> Fantasy Society? I mean, oh, the world guy... map. <laughs> yeah, they throw dust in a little fire. Number five. I guess it was sand, right? It was magic sand? What yep. was it even? They it was a set- bag of something. It was a bag of the ashes of the kids that were on it that they then killed because there was yeah. always different people sure. on the show. Every- That's why they met so far out in the woods. Every time Colin says one of these numbers, I hear like Paul Harvey. Now page four. <laughs> the- I love Paul Harvey. Now, Paul Harvey's a man. He was, I guess. He's, He's kind of dead now. Yeah. Number five. Or is he? Number five, Rockstar is working on, quote, the next version of a famous IP, end quote, according to a LinkedIn profile of someone working at Rockstar New England. What could it be? State Red Dead Emergency. Redemption, Bully, Red Dead. Manhunt? 
Agent, state of emergency. It's red dead. State of emergency. Remember when table that, tennis? Remember when state of emergency that that was that ad in GTA Three and everyone and that game must have sold millions of copies yep. just based on the fact that that ad was that game sucks. That game was they made awful. <laughs> Do you don't remember this? GTA Three came out, hit on PS Two, changed the world for video games. And Rockstar's next game was State of the Emergency or State of Emergency had a cover story on EGM and everyone bought it. And you just ran around with a hatchet. Sad. I bought it. I didn't know anything about it. I was like, I'm buying this game. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like, you just run around a mall or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Rockstar is a really weird. Like they're they're like Austin Powers Game Boy Advance games that were by Rockstar. Like, yeah. they have all kinds of weird stuff in their history. I, so I want Rockstar to make a Toontown game, like an open world GTA yeah. game, but like Toontown from from Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. That would that'd be drop awesome. pianos on people's heads and throw like portable holes. <laughs> that they need to make that like something ridiculously lighthearted that could yeah. still work in the. That their whole uh, satirical thing in that, but I, oh, it's just something completely off the rails would be fun. I so, mean, this has to be Red Dead. I, I, I like, assume it is Red Dead. Yeah, and that's awesome. Makes but, a lot of sense. But yeah. I would want it to be Manhunt. Really? Yeah. Over Manhunt, Red Dead? Yeah. Man, oh. The original Manhunt's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, nobody's arguing. I, that, that game is yeah, really, really great, great, but it, that it, game is really good. When I think like next gen game that I want Rockstar to be working on, it is For immediately. Me, I mean, Red like Dead. when I was playing GTA, like I love GTA, I had a great time with it. But there was times where I was just like, man, it'd be kind of cool if this was Red Dead. <laughs> like I, I would really be down for Red, Red, Red Dead. Dead. The best parts of GTA Five are the ones that emulate Red Dead. Sure, sure. Number six. Sony has confirmed that Drive Club, the PS4 exclusive racing game from Sony owned Evolution Studios, has been delayed. Wah, wah, wah. Initially slated to come out at launch, the game has been delayed until 2014. Apparently, more time is needed on the product. Jose writes into Beyond at IGN.com, just like you can. It says Beyond. 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 What do you guys Beyond. think of Drive Club being delayed? I personally rather have a more polished game than a buggy, rushed game. Your thoughts? I feel like it's good for Drive Club. I think um, competing against. Need for Speed, Forza, and Gran Turismo, which are probably the three biggest driving franchises, would have been disastrous for it to launch now. Like, now, the only driving game that's announced for next year, I mean, there's Mario Kart, if you count that, but then there's The Crew is the only other... Yeah, yeah but you, you say know, that, but you mean, you, you think of it more like there's no... Now, this was their chance to get a foothold on the PS4, right? That there w- they would have been the only driving but, game on the PS4. But, they're but, not, but, though, because but, there's Need for Speed. The fuck? Like, they're... No, but Need for Speed's coming out. Like, I, I just... But I, when? At launch. Impossible. <laughs> I definitely would have heard about that by now. Um, yeah, I, I think it is good for them to come out later, especially if, if the game, game isn't ready. This game has been bleeding to death since announcement, and yep. now the fact that there will have already been Need for Speed established on the PS4, they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, Drive, drive Club's in a lot of trouble. For I sure. feel like they're in a lot of trouble anyway. I, I think Sure, like, yeah, they were never like, oh man, this is a slam dunk. That's I mean, why they're offering it for free. Yeah, exactly. If yeah. this well, gives them time it. to polish it. I mean, like, if the game is done and they're just doing this strategically, then it's not smart, but if they feel like the game can benefit from the extra time, the only thing it can do right now is be like really good like the best thing they can do right. is make that game really fucking good to make sure. it stand out and so like if they need an extra six months or whatever to do that then it's totally smart that they did gotcha. well if, if you were them Goldfarb and, and it, they didn't if it wasn't a matter of technical would you would you go ahead and release it or would you wait I mean if the game's ready I, I don't know I mean I, I don't I don't know when a great time to release because you're not wrong like if, 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 if I rarely am well, I don't know. If that's true. <laughs> There's an example just then. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think like if yeah, if, if like Need for Speed or whatever gets really popular, you know, whether it's people don't upgrade yet and so they're just playing Gran Turismo and whatever else, or if it's that Need for Speed does get really popular on PS4 and people don't feel like they need another driving game, that's bad for Drive Club. But at the same time, I would assume coming out next to Forza and Need for Speed and Gran Turismo and everything else wouldn't be smart. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. I I don't see a lot of people walking to Walmart looking at a shelf with those four games and picking Drive Club out of uh, compared to like that's well, what I'm saying it's yeah. still going to be pretty slim picking six months from now I mean they ought to move some copies and you know why not use the time to, to spruce it up a bit make it stand yeah. out 
There's a there's a conspiracy theory here oh, for it. me, which is that something they want to get out of the way of Gran Turismo specifically. I think, and I think the game's probably in shape to be released if they wanted to, but I think that they know they have to do more for it or whatever. But I think there's there's this is the internal conflict that was always going to happen when they suddenly wanted to make have two stu- you know, racing studios yeah. that were making the same racing games. Because Evolution and Polyphony existed within the ecosystem forever, uh, making different games. You know, MotorStorm is a different game than, than... Are you going to do it in the Sister Christian? What's your <laughs> price for games? Uh, $60. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you. When, when, when Evolution... After Evolution made MotorStorm Apocalypse and MotorStorm RC, and then they started uh, getting a bunch of guys from more legit, like, bizarre creations, like, legit racing studios, you knew that they weren't going to make MotorStorm anymore, and so this created an internal conflict where you're making the same game, you're making a sim racer, you know, and, but you already have a studio that makes sim racers that, by the way, sell, like, 10 to 12 to 15 million copies of their games, and so it didn't make any sense for them to greenlight this game to begin with, like, I, I, the thing is, is that Evolution is the next studio, I think, that's going to close from Sony's, from Sony's, you know, roster. I agree with that, totally. And, that sucks because they're really talented, and people forget that MotorStorm, which was a launch game in Europe on PS3, it didn't come out until 2007 in North America. Um, that game sold millions of copies. So, like, there was, and I think it sold so many because it was all that's all you had right. on PS3. That was the yep. racer you had on PS3. So, but that's the, what I was going to say was like it was the same thing we learned with Fall of Man. Like, right. when when all of the games are that like when you have a shooter in a racing game and there's nothing else to play, like you buy these games, but then you can't read into the sales because what happened with MotorStorm, especially with Apocalypse when and Pacific Rift and all these other games came out and they did fine, but when Apocalypse came, came out and it happened to come out around the same time as a tsunami, so they delayed it, it delayed and they didn't advertise and then it. They del- yeah, not and then for it, and yeah. then like that that game was sent to die. It's very similar to what happened to SOCOM Four. Yeah. So the writing is on the wall for that studio, and that's the saddest part because yeah. there's actually a lot of talent there. That, yeah. Well, when this uh, releases, you imagine the next thing you hear. Maybe it'll be like one of the other games, right? Where it's not the game isn't even out yet, but it's finished, it's done. Then what happened to that studio? That's the yeah. big concern. I mean, the interesting thing to me, I feel like they just miscalculated in because you know, Colin, you wrote History of Naughty Dog, and there's a cool example in there where it talks about Sega working on Knights, Nintendo working on Mario 64, and. Um, Naughty Dog working on Crash all at the same time, all kind of these 3D platformers without knowing what each other were doing, obviously. Um, And I think this is kind of an interesting case where, like, I think the idea of a socially connected next-gen racing game is really, really smart. And on paper, that is something Gran Turismo doesn't do, and it's something that could set it apart. But unfortunately, the crew and Need for Speed and Forza are all doing that. Like, that isn't a unique thing. And I think when they came out against these other brands that were doing something not only similar but in some ways better, I think it probably hurt it a lot. And I think it probably made them rethink what they were doing with it. We saw so many racing games at E3 for next-gen, right? And I was like, uh, uh, uh. And then the first one that I thought looked interesting was the crew. Yeah, the crew, yeah. Right, because it's kind of like Smuggler is Run. It's not really a sim. Let's go across PS2 the entire. Yeah, exactly. A great PS2 launch game from Rockstar. Mm-hmm. Let's go across. It's coming let's, back. Let's go across the map and have fun together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what Drive Club. I didn't see happening. It's right, like, and the crew got delayed this week too. Or yeah. Last week, I guess. Now, are any of us racing guys? No, not. No. I mean, I I like to. I I usually buy racing games and like play them every mm-hmm. once in a while. The mm-hmm. only one I've recently been really into is Need for Speed Most Wanted. But like, I've I've bought every Forza and stuff like that. Okay. The the. There's another thing about Drive Club, though. More of the conspiracy? Not even a conspiracy. It's just the reality of the situation, which is that, you know, um, Kazunori already said that they're going to bring Gran Turismo uh, 6 to PS4. And I assume this is going to be more of a platform thing, like where it's going to be like the Gran Turismo platform, Gran Turismo yeah. PS4. And because Drive Club is now going to be released sometime in 2014, you assume in between Infamous and The Order, probably, that 
that just closes its window before Gran Turismo comes and just destroys it. And yeah. and the, the fact of the matter is, I assume I don't know anything about this. But you assume that Polyphony's not happy that Drive Club is being made, you know, and they can squash that game like a bug just by releasing their game on PS4. Now, that's obviously up to Sony and the publishing, you know, SEJ and stuff like that. But there's just some there, everything's fucked up now for that game. Like like Drive Club is yeah, Drive Club's in trouble, and Evolution yeah. I think is in trouble, and that's that's sad. I would like to see you know Evolution is made to make racing games. It's not like they can just pivot and make a shooter or something like that you know it's like it's just like how gorilla makes shooters that's yep. what they do the other factor so, we're forgetting is little big planet karting oh my god <laughs> once once they bring that guy off the mothballs <laughs> woo, with the ps4 whoa doctor <laughs> i would actually like to play that i still want little big planet karting on vita no, i want mod nation Razor. i would totally play well that. of course but yeah. i mean compared to the mod nation actually, we had we should have nintendo stop making consoles and just put mario kart on everything yep okay can Done. we do that? All we right. solved this really quick. Who Call Reggie. To, see, Final Fantasy Committee just let us do it. <laughs> that took, what, like 30 seconds? Oh, by the way, just real quick about GT6, too. Everyone's talking in December about, like, how unpredictable the sales charts are going to be. Are they going to be, you know, what's going to be, you know, is it going to be Forza? Is it going to be Dead Rising? What's going to be the best-selling game? GT6 will be the best-selling game in December. Mark mm. it down. Ooh. Uh, that's a bold claim. What yeah. about uh, uh, South Park, The Stick of Truth? That'll move some copies. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, it'll do well. It's not going to beat Gran Turismo, though. No. Everyone just, sleep, everyone just sleeps on GT6 until... It's just the same way with GT5, when that game sold millions of copies in a month. And everyone's like, oh, I forgot this game sold. Uh, number six. No, number seven. <laughs> Naughty Dog has dismissed any notion that it'll bring The Last of Us to PlayStation 4, which is not surprising. Eric Monticelli, nice guy. Really nice guy. Naughty Dog's community strategist noted in the comments of the PlayStation blog that Naughty Dog has no plans to port the game. It's smart because they're working on something else. Yeah. I uh, think they, I mean, their teams are busy doing other shit, I would imagine. Yeah, and porting a game that runs on sale to PS4 is not going to be easy. Yeah. Or everyone will be doing it. And why do it? Yeah. That's exactly right. The game already sold well above what they thought it was going to sell. <laughs> Can you read this verbatim how you have it written? Because that's really good. Number eight. Velocity Ultra, the super rad Vita game, is coming to PS3 later this year. That's exciting news. Yeah. It's going to look great yeah. on the big screen. That game's fucking awesome. Yeah. I guess it gets it more hands, but again, we're just... Robin the Vita. Yep, that's Robin true. Robin the Vita, things to play. Vita's, I mean, yeah, Vita's on the rocks, I think, in, in terms of, uh, you know, just gets... This is a case, though, where I feel like it's fair, because that game gets kind of complicated and hard to follow on Vita. Like, I feel like on a bigger screen, it'll actually be better. Well, that was the, one of the things people brought out as criticism when the Vita was first released. You have this amazing platform, but producing content for it that's comparable with current generation hardware on a console, you're going to have this kind of cannibalism going right. on. It's an amazing way to play games, but uh, it's going to have an inherent... Uh, a parasitic problem. Yeah. yeah. I've been beating that drum for a long time. That's why I yep. said PlayStation All-Stars had no business on this console. Well, and and, and Sound Shapes in the yeah. other direction. And Sound Shapes should have been a Vita game. Yep. Uh, I mean, there's something so like good. Guacamelee is a great example of something that works perfectly on both. Like, I mean, like there, there are games that I think are totally fine. I think actually Dragon's Crown I really like on, uh, on Vita as well. But I, I, I agree. Like, there are some games that need to just be separate experiences. Oh, and speaking of Vita, Vita sold 60,000 units in Japan last week on the redesign, which is okay. exceptional. That's the same week Pokemon came out, so that's actually... Gotta catch them that's actually pretty. That's actually pretty impressive, Pokemon. all this. Can we have a Pokemon dessert? corner where I can sure. talk about Pokemon? I truly like Pokemon, that's the end. It's I'm playing Fox it a lot. <laughs> this is the first one I'm not going to play. You enjoy oh my God. XY? It's so good. You you enjoy enjoy yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, I mean, I, I've, I played like every Pokemon game obsessively, and then... Uh, Pokemon Black and White came out the same day as the 3DS, and I bought a 3DS, and I was like, I'll just wait for the oh, first Oh, Black and White I didn't one. play either. Yeah. So this will be the second one I didn't play. I well, can't you didn't do play Black and White too. There's a sequel? There was, well, so instead of doing, because what they normally do, they do like a third, so they do like, you know, yeah, yellow like for or... this, it'll probably be Z, for example, right. but um, when Black and White came out, and everyone assumed Gray would come a year later, instead they did Pokemon Black 2 and White 2. Right. So, so it's your like platinum, sequels. your yellow. 
Uh, it just didn't happen for that one. It has to happen. Can we make one. it algebraic and have it be like x squared and y squared? And then you make a little equation out of it. I maybe like that. The foil method. I mean, it'll be. It'll obviously be Pokemon Z. Yeah. Pokemons. Obviously. How to catch the Pokemons. Number nine, Pikachu. final thing. Killzone Mercenary has gotten another patch. This one coming in at no. about 1.2 gigs. That means there are 2.3 gigs worth of updates for the game. Meaning that with the game patch taken together, you can't play Killzone Mercenary on a 4 gig card. That is so crazy. Uh, Gorilla oh. Cambridge promises to try to truncate future patches so the size isn't but so gigantic. The problem they could have just finished the game and then... So here's the problem. When you download it from the PSN, you're just downloading the core game and then you download the patches afterwards. Mm. So if you have a 4 gig card and you go to the store and you spend your money, it lets you download it, but then to ever play online, you have to download these patches that you can't download. Yeah, right. like totally there should be some kind of disclaimer, or it should just not let you download it's it. It's not even that, man. It's just like that game. Why can't you just finish it? You yeah. know, like I don't understand, like what was so hot? To, you know, why? Why were they so hot? Bar the Killzone wasn't going to fucking move Vita's. It's it's a game that people that own Vita are going to buy, and I'm sure it sold actually really well. But yeah, For just fucking finish it. You know, like, like the game didn't like. There's like huge problems with the game. Apparently, things that I didn't run into because the 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 the, the uh, the environment, the online environment, like just wasn't as robust. Like there was an oh, there are online there. problems with it. Apparently, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I mean, it seems like they basically rebuilt the online version and then patched the whole thing in, like the online co- uh, functionality rather, and then patched it in is like ha- literally half the game coming back again. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's a good game though. Yeah, no, it's it's a great um, game. AJ That's writes it. into podcast Beyond and says Beyond Beyond with all the GTA Five and next gen talk, I feel games like Puppeteer and Killzone Mercenary got a Agreed. bit ignored by the podcast Beyond crew. Understandable. No way. Can you I spend didn't some time it. sharing your thoughts on these games. I think Puppeteer is easily one of the best platforms of this generation. Yeah, Puppeteer. I haven't finished Puppeteer, but Puppeteer's fantastic. Puppeteer's fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm too busy to play Puppeteer. Puppeteer is the only game I ever walked by Colin's desk and saw him with a grin on his face playing. <laughs> yeah, that's it's as a, opposed to a scowl that he normally has. <laughs> I mean, you looked, you look, you had like childlike delight on your face. Yeah, it's a, it's a, Puppeteer is a really special game. Get on your soapbox. What's Puppeteer all about? Puppeteer uh, is about a uh, boy without a head named Kudaro. Um, he's uh, under attack by the Moon Bear King, of course. Uh, and his whole thing is that he uses other heads that he finds, which give him like some special abilities, which aren't like super robust. So this is a knockoff of Kid Chameleon. Uh, yeah, a lot of people have <laughs> been saying that. Yeah, it, I it is. But I, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's quite like Kid Chameleon because you're, you're you're well because you're the heads don't really give you special powers that you use actively. They're like they unlock things in the environment. Gotcha. And stuff like that. It's like a single move you can use and stuff like that. Right. I mean, it's also the the aesthetic, the the art style is what I think sets it apart for me because it's like gorgeous and it, it looks it's meant to look as though it's on a stage basically. So everything's props. Everything is like you know like pieces of the stage that you have to knock down. Everything like almost has that like feel of like um. Almost like a, like, like when you think of yeah, I mean like totally. When, you look, when you when I'd look by, it looks like there's gonna be curtains that, or when I, when I'd watch Colin play, a curtain swoop in and change right. the scene. And come exactly, back exactly. Yeah, it's I can really play. Cool. I can play as a little wooden boy with a triceratops head, which is all I've ever really wanted from a video that's game. Yeah, that's Jared's true. Yeah. Hanging it up now. Yeah, that's right. You can't do that in Grand Theft Auto Five, can you, Rockstar? No, no, you can't. It's a lot a, of things you can't do in Grand Theft Auto Five. It's a remarkable game. I agree. And and it's it tanked clearly. Um, budget price though, isn't it? Yeah, it's forty dollars. So it was like Sly, but Sly sold really well. I so think it's it was, twenty. It was, well, Sly had some name, you know, cachet attached to it. Right. I think it's twenty now on PSN, like right now. Probably is. I mean, the game yeah. the game hanked. I'll so the, yeah. the and that said, it's one of those examples of a game. We talked about this with Starhawk and even Twisted Metal. It's like why bother if you're just not going to do anything with it? Like why are you even making this game? You know, if you just the game probably sold. God, if it sold worldwide fifty thousand units, that's 
probably pushing it. Is that bad? Huh? Yeah. yeah. So, um, like in Japan, it's all like five thousand. In all your in all your in all your walks, you you go, you have these you know developer sit downs. You talk to Sony heads mm-hmm. for like hours on end, right? Have you ever talked to them about that? Like why? Did, yeah, I mean, we, we always. I have. I've talked. I've talked to people that you know make these games about why they make them and stuff like that. And not, you know, not all the stuff is you know. Um, fit for publish, but sure, sure, but sure, sure. The, I just wanted—I didn't know what the feeling you get back from it. Well, because they don't. With a game like Starhawk, like you don't expect that the game is going to. It like Starhawk sold, but like no one played it, right? You know, if that makes any sense, it like does. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that game requires. Uh, it's very similar to Mag. Like it, it requires people to play, a like dedicated other, yeah, hardcore yeah. fan base to jump in and be playing those. And yeah. like with Twisted Metal, Twisted Metal was the most frustrating of them all because Twisted Metal was so easy to sell if they just did it right. And you know what? Like when we were doing the rewind theater for that new PS4 commercial before the players, or whatever. That's exactly the kind of thing that Twisted Metal needed, like on TV, real quick. You know, like remember playing it on PS1? Remember playing Black on PS2? Remember being in your college dorm room? Remember, you know, mm-hmm. play it with your son now. Now it's Twisted Metal's... Like, it would have been so easy to do and, like, they, they just let these games die. I don't, I don't understand that that mentality and it's fucking yeah, and, annoying. I yeah. mean, it's this weird thing where, like, you have this line where people are creating these... Uh, these pieces of art. Like, people, especially, like, something like Studio Japan where they're cultivating creativity. Like, someone had this idea for Puppeteer and pitched it and liked it and was passionate about it and it's really cool that it's able to go through kind of all the levels and actually come out even despite the bureaucracy but then you realize it's also a business and it's like they they need to be making things that are number one going to be profitable number two are going to like sell and catch on and become franchises and do all these other things so it's like it's a testament to Sony that they believe in creativity enough that they can allow these games to come out, but it's also kind of sad because, yeah, like like you said, like they almost shouldn't bother if they're not going to put marketing power into them and, and let them thrive. Although we do, we do, we're sitting here talking like these kind of grand, you know, beautiful failures are a new thing. But I mean, if we go back through video game history, all the way back to the 8-bit era, there, there are remarkable games uh, that, that didn't sell at all that now we celebrate. And, and uh, this may just be something that's going to be with us as a part of that business. Some of it's that at the beginning, who really knows what's going to happen? You sit there and you look at this and go, that's a great idea. Let's make it. And about halfway through, you sit there and go, oh, my God, we're not going to sell any of these. But by then... You know, See, that's and, what, and that's been going on for 20, 30 years. That was my thing. Like, how much of it is like, well, we have to get it out before next gen, before this, but then you miss a milestone or they just shift a milestone, and so then you are just in this lose lose situation, right? It's similar, like, you know, like, why would you put work into that? How many videos or articles do we put up on IGN, right? They get run right off the front page. They go down the blog roll and they disappear, and nobody ever sees them again. And it's just like, well, we were working on it, and that was when it ended up that that was our shop, but there was breaking news, or this happened, and mm. some unforeseen circumstance popped up. Yeah. I think, you know, I know Gavin Moore, who's the guy who made the game, and um, I know that he's really happy with the game. And, like, I think that Sony has to be happy with the critical reception of the game, because the, the critical reception is, I think, 8-plus on, on Metacritic, which is fucking awesome. So yeah. it's not their fault. You know, it is, it is an issue of, like... M- all the things coming together and marketing is basically the problem. Like you yeah. can market a game like that. Little Big Planet was marketed. You look at Little Big Planet, especially in the original one, it's a fucking burlap sack boy, and like <laughs> it's on PS3, which is really struggling and all these things. But the game ended up selling millions of copies, so much so that Media Molecule was purchased by Sony. So there's a way to do it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. they don't have the fortitude to do it, and this, it's frustrating to see this happen with first and second parties at Sony because it's very rarely the quality that's the problem sure. in those games. Yeah. You know, like. We, the, people call us PlayStation fanboys and stuff sometimes, and that's fine. This is a PlayStation podcast, whatever. But, like, the, the, the quality of the game is very rarely the issue. If you look at the first party, like, they make good games. And if you look at the second party, they don't bother making shitty games with the exception of, like, a few, like, that have come right, out. Right, that right, are, right, You know, right. like, like, well, Layer's not a second party game, but that's an example. Yeah. Um, 
Talk about Lair, Greg. Uh, didn't wow. like Lair. Motion controls. <laughs> Let's not even rehash. <laughs> I, I, I had almost forgotten Lair. A lot of people will never forget. Gosh. So that's that. Killzone. Yeah, Killzone. Killzone's works. rad. Really good. And, yeah. and and we talked a great we deal about Killzone. We all played it. We all like yep. that one. Yep. It's the first great first-person shooter. Uh, might be a little too late. Um, Gorilla yep. Cambridge did a really nice job. The game's beautiful. It runs Killzone 3's engine, which is remarkable. Uh, I mean, there are moments in that game where I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is running on Vita." Yeah, like, yeah. and I, I, I like sincerely, I, I say that. Like, I mean, there are moments I was like, "This looks so good. It looks as good as Killzone 3 at some parts." Yeah, that is insane. I liked playing it because I always felt like a badass. Like, I yeah. think there was something about the AI where I felt like it could still. I was playing on normal. I could still run up on them and melee them and move to the next guy and do it. And I wasn't getting into frustrating deaths, which usually are the problem I have with first-person shooters. Totally agree. And also, the touchscreen stuff isn't annoying at all. Like, right. I, I you know, mean, I really liked the hacking minigame. I yep. thought that was great. Yeah, I'd love to. Keep, that was a great. Use of the touchscreen in a way that made it made sense. Yep, I agree. There you go, AJ. Hope you're happy. We talked about the two games. Now we're gonna get back I mean, to Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, and then, <laughs> I mean, the, to to just exp, uh, expand upon this thing, I'm worried about Tearaway too for the same reason. I mean, Tearaway's yeah. gonna come out and looks really cool. Yeah, we got Tearaway and like the 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 yeah that that game. There's an issue with that game too. The, the thing about that game is Media Molecule made it, so there's no question really of like its quality. It's probably gonna be good, but yeah, it's like what do you do with that game? How exactly. do you sell that game, especially and, right now? When yeah, there's so many things coming out. Tearaway is a game like Killzone that will sell to people that own a Vita, and, yeah. and that's basically it, I think. So, depending if, you know, a very small team worked on it. Media Molecule was working on something else. Right. So, you know, if costs were in control, that game cost $10 million to make, they'll easily make that back. Yeah. AJ has to be hit of the week to buff up his uh, PS4 friends list. So, ladies and gentlemen, everybody go friend and say beyond to AJ C H E T T I, all one word, AJ Chetty on PSN. And just just to, to you know, because he's talking about like enough about GTA Five. I was talking last week on Beyond about how I'm sick of talking about GTA Five and that I'm not really into it, and was you know called a bunch of names by people. No, on the internet. Yeah, what the kind of names? People being mean to you. Hipster. A lot of people call me a hipster for saying that. They call you beautiful. Yeah, they call me beautiful. Uh, your boy Colin's the one that brought you the lovely Nino Cooney before you knew about it. Dragon's Crown. You know what I mean, Catherine. We want to talk about those kinds of. We want to talk you about just those. Said cool you, I mean, you just described a hipster. That's exactly no, 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 I brought, no, you, those no, games. No, no. I brought just, you those games before they were cool. <laughs> he and he was drinking PBR and words. Yeah, drink your water. <laughs> he just described three games that are better than GTA Five. Is what he just described. Ooh. Yeah, I actually totally Ooh, agree with that. One. Jared Petty throwing on the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. You know what else is better? So than... we try. We do try to spotlight those big games. We don't talk a lot about about the. You know, we don't. We don't ever talk about like Call of Duty or something like that. So I'll talk about Call of Duty. All right, let's see if we got any. Those new commercials are great. Those new GT, those new Call of Duty commercials are fucking awesome. Russ those from B, I'm sorry, okay. Russ from Jackson, New Jersey. You know where that is? Jackson, New Jersey? No. All right. He's from Jackson, New Jersey. He says beyond. 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 I've become growingly frustrated at the criticism over the Call of Duty franchise. Most notably at the concept that if you play COD, you are not a true gamer. During college, my roommate and I had two TVs side by side and easily sunk 100 hours into COD. Is that not the definition of a gamer? What is your take? Does liking COD make you less of a gamer? Do you have to beat Super Meat Boy and have like 100 hours into League of Legends to be considered a hardcore gamer? If I ever okay. play League of Legends for 100 hours, I'd kill myself, so... No, that's that's not that's not where I'm going. He's referencing a thing that went up on IGN yesterday. <laughs> yep. Well, it, it, Goldfarb, give him the rundown. It was uh, a dev from Infinity Ward, I think, said uh-huh. uh, something along the lines of like that. The people who play Call of Duty are often only playing Call of Duty, and so it's not necessarily that they're hardcore gamers; that they're hardcore Call of Duty players. Like gotcha. it doesn't necessarily apply to the industry at large. Hard, hardcore gaming is something that gets thrown around our site a lot. Hardcore gaming is a cultural thing. Hardcore gaming is about how engaged you are in the culture of video games as a, as a historical medium, as a business, as, uh, as an event. 
It's about being hyped up and informed about what's going on there. It has very little to do, I think, with the games you play or the type of play games you play. Right. Saying that Call of Duty fans are or aren't necessarily hardcore gamers. It's semantics. But ultimately it has to do about whether or not you identify yourself as somebody who's a part of this, this fraternity uh, right. And, the the and definition that's being thrown around here, right, for hardcore gaming is the person who comes to IGN and wants to read about everything and listen to this and can tell you the difference between Pokemon X and Y's or whatever. Right. Or the fuck that game is. <laughs> I, I, I Meanwhile, there are the hardcore Call of Duty players who can tell yes. you yeah. everything about Call exactly. of Duty. I, mean, yeah. I, I couldn't care less about Call of Duty, but I, I believe I'm a hardcore gamer. Right. And I think that this guy who just wrote in obviously loves Call of Duty and he's a hardcore gamer and that has very little to do with, with what games we play and more to do about how we feel and think about those games. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's weird when people use like casual gamers, some weird pejorative. Like I, I think honestly it is we are employed because this industry has has become as big and broad as it has, and I think it's cool that people are gamers in general. I mean, yeah. whether, whether you're playing Candy Crush or whether you're playing Call of Duty or whether you're playing Dragon's Crown and Resogun and drinking your man games, dumb beer glass full of water. Um, I, I think in general, though, like it's yeah. I, I mean, look, if, if you play a hundred hours of Call of Duty, then yes, you're a hardcore gamer. Like as far as I'm concerned, but yeah. I think Jared nailed it. Like I mean, I think it's it's become this phrase that means something very specific and very different, rather than the literal definition of being hardcore about gaming. Right. I think Call of Duty speaks for itself. You know, like people are so threatened by this game in this series. Yeah. It's so funny to me. Like, it brings in so many bros. Like, so many casual gamers. Whatever. It, it brings in people that play the games and support your consoles. Right. And guess no, what? Okay. Like, you know, millions and millions of those consoles that we need, you know, we need to sell in order to, like, have a fucking hobby are bought by these people that play Call of Duty. But, you know, it, it's it's like I you know we get in a lot of you know people tweet at us or message us and we have opinions and they disagree with our opinions and it's it kind of reminds me of the same thing with Call of Duty where it's like I play I like JRPGs I like playing you know niche action games and shooters like Vanquish and stuff like and I know people think I'm like you know just trying to be a contrarian but no that's what I like and I don't care what you think about that you know what I mean yeah, like you play what you want like, yeah like I play what I want and these guys play Call of Duty and they don't care what you think they'll buy the game every year and they know that it's an iteration just like the people that buy Madden and just like the people that buy NHL everyone needs to be comfortable doing what they want to do without trying to judge what the other people in the industry and what the other people enjoying their hobby are doing. There's way too much of that going around yeah. where people say your opinion's wrong on this or this is that, you know, it's like, who cares? I don't care if you think my opinion is wrong. It's my opinion. You can have your own opinion. You know, I don't care much for call of duty like Jared was saying, but it doesn't stop me from supporting that series as something that I think is actually like game changing and really important. You know, it's the biggest shooter there ever was. It's the biggest entertainment product there ever was until GTA five. Yeah. You know, so that that kind of fight that people have is just so annoying to me. Like, just just do your own thing. What is? How does it affect you? Yeah, that people are enjoying Call of Duty. How does that affect you? I'm on the internet. I need to tell everybody how it affects me. It, it's I weird too. For it. The weird thing to me is that it, like it can stand apart, um, but the the battlefield marketing that like goes after Call of Duty that's like answer the call or above and beyond the call yeah. and like <laughs> like and they'll you know Call of Duty announces something and they'll they'll take these kind of like pot shots on Twitter like oh well, we can do that better it's like it's so weird to me that even within the industry itself you're seeing that like weird kind of competition because Battlefield is good in its own right and does a lot of different things and sure. I, it picking on Call of Duty is such a weird but specific doing scenario. Sega does what Nintendo Exactly doing that gets you mentioned in the conversation with the biggest game Sure. All of a sudden, when you're you know googling or whatever, in general talking about that, that was cool. Like, was it? It was last year, two years ago that like one of the Call of Duty URLs directed to a Battlefield site, right? Like they bought that early. Like, yeah. That's yeah. funny, and that people talk about that. It's it's, just, uh, it's always the new kid that does it too. And f- you know, if we're gonna be fair, Sony did it with Microsoft this yeah. generation mm-hmm. now. Like the, this year, they in two different press conferences directly took a shot at Microsoft because that's what you have to do when you're losing, right? Yeah. You know, like so that's the way it goes, but. 
you know, it gets me so mad when people just like, I want diversity in gaming. I love that. I love it. And I play these JRPGs that only sell 100,000 copies and that no one cares about. I don't care. You know, like, that's fun to me. When people are like, you know, when we did our video about Resogun, and I was like, Resogun is going to be the best PS4 launch game, and it's the game I'm most excited for. Everyone's like, it's a fucking indie game, and blah, blah, blah. And what about Killzone and all these things? It's like, that was just Adam Boys. Like, <laughs> Resogun is still, like, no matter what you say and like, the vitriol, you send to other people that have a different opinion. It doesn't yeah. change anything. Mm-hmm. So just enjoy what you want to enjoy. That's why we all have different games to play. This, this ecosystem is awesome. Here, know? here. Yeah, well yep. done, Colin. Colin. Yeah. Resogun's going to be cool. No doubt about it. But if I wanted to go to a store, a mom and grop shop right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. where would I go to find out what games are out? Are you asking me? I was hoping Goldfarb was okay. oh, I'll just do it. Yeah, uh, the official IGN list of upcoming PlayStation software on all three platforms by the IGN editors. I have no idea what's going on at that end of the room. <laughs> what if that went on for half an hour and Jared just walks out? Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to work. I'm hungry. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of games this week. 2K Essentials comes out. That's uh, Bioshock, Borderlands, and XCOM, and Ooh, Unknown. I want this wow, one. that is a really good collection. That's a retail-only. 2K Power Pack is uh, The Darkness 2, Bioshock 2, and Mafia 2. Mm, maybe skip that. Maybe. <laughs> I like maybe. Mafia 2. Uh Let's see. Batman Arkham Origins comes out on Friday, and that's going to be also available digitally. Ooh. Deus Ex Human Revolution. I'm sorry. I know. The- I, I, you probably don't know. Did they say anything about when it'll be available digitally? Is it going to be 1201 it just Friday said, morning? I yeah, that's Ryan Clements. Shit. He's the one who wrote this. Thanks, uh, Clements, for all the details. Deus Ex Human Revolution Director's Cut comes out. That's also available digitally. Lego Marvel Super Heroes comes out. That's also available digitally. Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Storm 3 Full Burst. Sorry, can you say that one more time? Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Storm 3 Full Burst. Sorry, I keep looking like you just say it one more time. Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Storm 3 Full Burst. Okay, great. Uh, Rocksmith 2014 also Woo! is available digitally. SpongeBob SquarePants Plankton's Robotic Revenge. How are the trophies? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care anymore about those shitty trophies. Somehow that title is still less strange than Naruto. That's also available digitally. Wait, what, what did you say, Jerry? I said uh, somehow that title is somehow less <laughs> strange than Naruto. Christ. Which Naruto title are we talking about? Uh, I believe that would be... Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Storm 3 Full Burst. One more time? Nope. This uh, is like the Mr. T episode all over again. Di- digitally. Podcast beyond historians. Digital, o- digital only on PS3. Alien Rage. Beer Pong. Enslaved Odyssey. Beer Pong. The, yeah. Enslaved Odyssey of the West comes out digitally. Is it just called Beer Pong? Yep. Beer oh, Pong without real beer? Yeah. Ethan Meteor Hunter. Looks, I, I which smell looks a video awesome. review from Greg Miller. <laughs> Ethan Meteor Hunter looks awesome. That game comes out. Mag Runner Dark Pulse, which looks like a ripoff of Portal. Uh, for Vita, Arkham Origins Blackgate will be available digitally and at retail on Friday. Mm. I can't wait to well, finally try that because it's uh, Jose likes it, Marty doesn't. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, Split Marty sides. played the first thing, the first part I had played at E3 when you're chasing Catwoman. Yeah, you played it for that. the first time at New York Comic Con. That part does feel weird and clunky in a way. You know what I mean? Like, it's enjoyable enough. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm chasing or whatever. It cha- changes, like, perspective. Exactly. It keeps rotating because it is moving on the 2D plane or whatever, but it keeps trying to, sh- you know, do it so it tricks you into thinking it's the like more a 2.5D type thing? Kind of, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, a later level I played at PAX, you know, was actually fighting the guards and jumping around and, you know, doing your whole zip line. It was fine. Why not just make Marker the Ninja with Batman? If you're gonna Ooh, do that, that, that would too. be so. That'd be awesome. God, God, that'd be oh my God! That would Lego be Marvel superheroes on Vita as well. Yay! Yeah. Uh, everybody we know keeps that is, yeah. no. Everybody keeps tweeting me about that. Uh, Steve, I don't think got a copy of that for review. I'm assuming it's as always the 3ds version ported up. 
Yeah. They would have made a big deal. I platted Lego world. Batman on uh, DC, whatever the fuck it was called. On. Yeah. I would love if we finally got yeah. an open world Lego game on Vita. That would be so you, awesome. Yeah, you won't, though. I mean, I agree. It, it'll probably never happen. But Speaking of Batman Arkham Origins, Brandon writes into Beyond at IGN.com just like you can. He says, hey, Greg, Das Colin, and Goldfarb. He didn't know you were going to be here, Jared. I'm sorry. It's all right. Okay. I am not hurt. Greg, I wanted to dive a little more into a detailed tweet for you. I've been back and forth on Batman Arkham Origins. Asylum was the first PS3 game I got, and I loved it, and Arkham City. But coming from a new studio, different actors, and a different writer, I'm concerned about the quote-unquote quality of the game. Is there even a chance it can be bad? Brandon, there's always a chance games can be bad. Let's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's always a chance a game can be bad. That's how things happen. But am I worried about Batman... Arkham Origins. Not particularly. Like, you know, I've, we've seen it. I've played it. I've done it at different things. It, it's weird. I wish I had a copy to play of my own. I wish I could give a detailed impression of it. I haven't played it yet outside of events. I'm still hopeful. It looks like more Batman. You know, so like the worst thing, worst case scenario for me right now would be that the story isn't as good as the other ones, but it's more Batman gameplay. Right. I mean, it's a hard thing jumping in because, yeah, I haven't, I've only played events as well. It's like this weird thing where. Jumping into the middle of that game, like, of course it's going to feel good because you're just doing the combat. Right. It's like uh, people talk about Assassin's Creed 3. Assassin's Creed 3 demoed so well because they dropped you in the middle of that world and you could run around and look great and it felt like Assassin's Creed in general. Whereas for this one, we don't know. Like, I mean, like, you know, when you played Assassin's Creed the full game, it had all kinds of story problems and pacing problems and blah, blah, blah. We don't know if that's the case with Arkham Origins. It just yeah, too early. it seems like... It wouldn't, though, right? Like, because all you have to do is drop me in as Batman, and I'm Bruce yeah. Wayne, and I'm a young Bruce Wayne, and here's Commissioner Gordon, or I'm um, Detective Gordon, and go. For That's it. the problem, though. The Batman origin story has been done so many sure. times, and it has been done so well that it, it's actually almost harder to do that than it would be to just yeah, do But it's not even really game. the origin, even though it says origins. It's not the origin, right? He's been Batman for two years. It's not like, hopefully, we don't have to go through, like, ninja training school and all that jazz. Like, I have I, I have a, a great fear at the beginning of that game is going to be, like, a, the origin story. I don't like that one. But I, well, I, don't know. I mean, how I mean, far back in the origin story are we going for Batman? Uh, oh his God. birth, his, oh his conception. It begins with his conception. David Cage directed the beginning of the game. Okay. <laughs> so there's going to be like some of the the, the, like the, the, Moses, the Moses, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pentateuch story and yeah. stuff here. If okay. we could annotate the podcast, we'd annotate the YouTube right now. For horribly <laughs> we, wrong. We can talk Torah. That's all right. We can talk Torah. <laughs> We're gonna, okay. Yeah. Torah talk. Jared, are you concerned about Batman? Are you a Batman fan? I love Batman. I I, I think Batman is. Uh, who I, a friend of mine said to me the other day, you know, that if Stephen Hawking is right about M theory, and there are an infinite number of universes with an infinite number of possibilities, that yeah. means that somewhere in reality you are Batman. Oh neat! Um, and uh, that, I'm really out of shape. That really <laughs> makes me feel good about life. So yeah, Batman's. Uh, you don't want to see that legacy betrayed. Right. Um, you also know that people that are handed that understand that they've been given stewardship of a cultural icon that's it's almost unparalleled. Right. Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I, I like some Batman. I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, Eric Holmes is game director on that, and I've met him at a, a bunch he of events it. and stuff. Yeah, he, I mean, Roger Craig Smith's new Batman, he gets it. Troy is an awesome yeah. Joker from everything you've seen from Troy Baker. Like, the cast and the talent they have working on it, I, I wouldn't ever say a game couldn't be bad, because I've been burned on that before. <laughs> but I'm not, I, even if it was just like, eh, this is fine, it's more Batman, that's all I really want. Not every episode of Batman the Animated Series was amazing. Yeah. As long I've, as I'm getting more episodes. I agree with that. I, I don't think, at this point, I would be very, very surprised if the game is outright bad. Like, yeah. if this game is really not good. However, like, it's a little bit of a bummer that I, I know a lot of people disagree, but I personally felt like City is better than Asylum, and that the, the series was heading this really interesting direction, it was getting better and better, better and better. Um, 
And if this is a step backwards, it would kind of bum me out if it's yeah. if it's not like fantastic. Oh. But that said, I love the formula, and I can't wait to play it. Again, Remember, so. you're, it's not a, it's literally a step backwards in the timeline, so they're allowed to be different, right? Oh. And not as good. Oh, you're huh? so smart. Warner Brothers. You're, can we talk more you are about? Handsome. Can we talk more about Batman the Animated Series, like for? An hour yeah. or two. Yeah, we, we talked about Saved by the Bell yeah. for like 40 yeah, minutes yeah. last week. So. Great. Colin, did you ever watch Batman the Animated Series? I did. I watched them all. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, the movies too. Okay. The Man oh. Who Killed Batman. Great episode. I right. love that. Right, right, right. right. I was so really great. into that when I was a kid. I was yeah, really into I, I, hated, I don't care about superheroes, but I really loved how they had the robot Batman forever. Remember? Then it turned out in one episode it wasn't you thought you were with Batman, but you're with Robot Batman, and like Robot Batman breaks down about it. That was sad. Or that great episode where they're sitting around and they're all talking about the time they almost got Batman. Yep. And then Batman ends up being one of them. Yeah, he's one of them. He's Magic Man. Yeah, and Marty always talks about how Killer Croc and how, during that part it's like everyone has these big long stories and Killer Croc's like I threw a rock at him once <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, that, or that episode of Batman where he's in a nuclear holocaust and he wants to just read and be left alone but then he steps on his glasses no, and he, yeah, yeah, the classic. Yeah. you're confusing I think the penguin and Batman getting mixed mm-hmm. up there now because mm-hmm. that was the penguin right mm-hmm. for a second I was like <laughs> Batman in a nuclear holocaust <laughs> <laughs> like when he very first started I was like wait what and I was like oh, well, I can't remember the actor's name the guy that played the penguin on the old 60s show Hurt in my head right oh, now. No, anyway, no. he's the guy that in the vault. Same guy, same actor. Oh, uh, Burgess Meredith. Meredith. Burgess, yeah, Burgess Meredith. Meredith. Yeah, yeah. All right. Topic of the There's week. There's time now. Remember, we're the IGN's PlayStation podcast. <laughs> um, it's actually a lot of people wrote in about the PlayStation commercial, Yay. the PlayStation Memories commercial, mm-hmm. going through from PlayStation One. Where's Sarah? Exactly. Well, she wasn't in this. She's that's it. she's way fl- she's in the far flung future. Where this is, is different thing. the girlfriend though? You guys did a whole rewind. You didn't mention the girlfriend's dead at the end. It's the saddest thing. Well, we couldn't keep sh- up with all. Well, the we're people like, are they sisters? Remember that was the other. Or is, she, is that the sister? We couldn't figure this out. Mm. This is a very open household. It's just like having all the teenage kids go up to the freaking house, and then the dad's just walking by in his sweater. I love the I'll, dad. I'll, I will embed this rewind theater in the podcast beyond article on so IGN. Uh, Jonathan writes into Beyond at IGN.com and says, Beyond. Beyond. While watching Sony's new PlayStation commercial, I couldn't help but feel nostalgic. But it also got me thinking of the PlayStation's future. Do you guys think the PlayStation's glory days are behind them? Or is the the best still yet to come? Can Sony recapture the magic of the PS1 and PS2 days? I mean, PS, they're, they're not going to, I mean, sales wise, they're probably never going to capture the magic of the PS2 days. But I, I certainly think creatively and quality wise, yeah. You think so? Yeah. I mean, it seems like they're going to be on a high horse this time around, this console generation. It seems like they got all the positivity back behind them. I mean, I'm super excited for Infamous. Infamous is among my two most uh, anticipated games. So, yeah. like, that I'm excited about. And I, I know, God, whatever, like, coming off The Last of Us, whatever Naughty Dog does next is exciting. Like, yeah, I mean, I think they could have a totally creative renaissance right now. I, I know that Sony's, uh, they're, in, they're in business to make money, but I do love the fact that for, since the beginning of this campaign, they've pushed for, hey, we game people, game people, we love games, game, yeah, game, yeah. game, and look, nostalgic games that we love, and here's some more games. And I mean, you guys picked out all the game references and also the, the pop culture stuff in the commercials, but they, they really have pushed that. Um, I think that, that a lot of people get into this business because they enjoy games, playing them, and, the, and, and they, boy, I am just screwing this up terribly. No, you're doing fine. Um, a lot of people get, get into the this hell business because they, <laughs> they enjoy <laughs> playing games. <laughs> I understand there's a very cynical into it, a business oriented, and but I, I watched that commercial and I, I lived in Japan when Mario's 25th anniversary went on. They ran these commercials on TV there that Sony just blatantly stole to make this, um, and uh, it gave you that kind of warm, happy, good Nintendo-y feeling with the funny TV flicker and the blowing and the cartridge and the rest of that. Sony's doing something that previously I don't think they've done very well. Right. They're drawing on their custodianship, again, of, of game history. They're saying, hey, we are a force that forged this industry. 
We are part of the people. We are part of what made gaming what it is today, and we're embracing that, and we're going to bring your mind back to that. I, I think that's a very good thing. Yeah, 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 I agree. I think the unknowns with PlayStation Four are the most exciting things about it. Um, yeah, like what are all those studios doing? Sony owns twelve studios. We only know what a couple of them are doing. So, I mean, that's yeah. When you say Naughty Dog and Bend and San Diego and Santa Monica and you know Studio Japan and I mean, Polyphony think, and and Cambridge, and I think San Diego is a pretty easy guess. <laughs> maybe I mean San Diego has a, a San Diego has a history early in the PS3's life cycle doing other games too. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, they'll make a baseball game, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if they made something else. And yeah. and uh, you know, Gorilla's working on a new game. Media Molecule is working on a new game. There's like everyone's upset because we only know about Infamous and the Order, and now Drive Club next year is exclusives. But what's exciting is that there's obviously much more than that. We just don't know about it yet. They're being very smart, actually. I think with not revealing too much right now because they know the fight has just begun, and you don't want to. You know, cast your, you know, keep your ammo dry and shit like that. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, shoot when you don't have to. What's interesting now, though, looking forward to the PlayStation Four being on the market, right, is the fact that when you look back through the PlayStation One and the PlayStation Two, there's so much more competition now. You know what I mean? I wonder how many unified experiences there's going to be that really like you're talking about like Twisted Metal right where you could show a trailer for Twisted Metal 2 somebody be like you played this in college with your friends like is that still going to be a thing where there's this like unified television experience where people are coming together and like oh man we sat there and we played this game of PlayStation this PlayStation 4 game for hours and hours and hours or is it going to be broken up that they played it on this and that and they played you know the iPad and they did that and blah. but I mean I think you remember like I mean I have memories of playing Call of Duty with my friends in college we weren't in the same room we were just on headsets but sure. I mean like I, I think you can still you know create some similar magic uh you know by playing online as opposed to you know sitting on the couch playing mario kart or whatever as a kid sure so i mean i i think so okay agree disagree i don't know i I think with twisted metal specifically like i just had a flicker of a thought of like if you had old college buddies that now or that used to play black in person or whatever on ps2 and then they they're older now and they have kids and wives yelling at them and all this stuff and they're over (laughs) their headsets on in their own houses playing the new twisted metal game and you know, like recapturing those memories. I don't think it's necessarily the setup that's as important as the product. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like how many, how many more games are there going to be, or in a, in a landscape filled with games and people where they can play whatever they want at any time. Any kind of game you want is out, right? Are you going to have those perfect dark memories, or Super Smash Brothers memories, or Twisted Metal memories of just like this game defined this console for everyone? I think it's harder now. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just and that's just budgetary. Sure. I mean, the uh, the indie games help with that a lot. Yeah. Uh, and people willing to, you know, lose their shirts on things like Puppeteer, again, which we were saying, why would you do it earlier? Maybe it's just that. You want to make something wonderful, and somebody lets you see so you do, even though you know it's going to be a colossal failure. Because, it, I mean, is it a failure? Yeah, they lost a lot of money, and they made something wonderful. And the more people that keep doing that, the better memories we're going to have. Hmm. Yeah, and I think the, there's this common thread, because I don't think Twisted Metal was like a, a, a seminal moment on PlayStation for a lot of people. I think it was for some people. But I think that there's like the, that Perfect Dark or GoldenEye moment, or Smash Brothers on GameCube specifically, those were like small groups of people that bought the console, that like those consoles didn't sell well, so the games that were really big on those consoles proliferated really hard. Like when you look at something like Ocarina of Time, that... That, that has an attach rate of like three out of every five N64s or something like that. That's an unheard of attach rate, but that wouldn't happen for consoles that were bigger. Right. So yeah. I don't know if yeah. Sony wants that because it means that fewer consoles are being sold. You know, when you have like very little to hang your hat on, like um, uh, what's an example? Like even Saturn, like with Panzer Dragoon or, uh, you know, Knights in the Dreams or something like games that people really like, or Shining Force or whatever the fuck games, you know, people are playing on Saturn. <laughs> Radiant uh, Silver Gun. Woo! 
Radiant Silver Gun. Like these are games that people go back to because there wasn't much and not many people had them. You yeah. Know? So like, there's kind of they have to be careful with what they wish for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you know because even a game like Call of Duty that will sell uh, eight million units on PS3 or whatever that's that's only an attach rate of one out of every eight. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting to think about how this all goes. What would be the? I mean, moving forward for PS5's launch, right? Is it going to be then? You see a trailer like the, a commercial like this, and it's you know last of us that people are there and like because that's one of that's a unifying moment in gaming right where we're all, everybody was like holy crap you know i mean that's it, that's what's so interesting right is that like as the medium has evolved like it last of us is creating these moments not of hey we're gathered around the tv playing but it's almost like the way a tv show or a right, movie does right, it's right, like right, these right. water cooler moments of like oh my god like that moment when this happens is crazy and yeah. it, it can be ridiculously powerful when I, when i first moved to japan i had the weirdest experience i met my students a lot of whom were about my age and discovered that despite the fact that we'd grown up 5,000 miles apart on opposite ends of the world, that we had these shared childhood touchstones, mostly based around Nintendo, uh, that I could sit and talk with these people about uh, about Mario or Zelda or later on about Suikoden or, or Final Fantasy VII. And we would have these common points of conversations that would stretch for hours, people that I didn't even speak the same language as. And you're like, I love Final Fantasy 3. And they're like, wait, which one? Which Final Fantasy Oh, yeah, yeah, there is that. You're like, and then Doki Doki Panic was so good. Yeah, they're trying to to point that one out. Although they did get a, they eventually got a release of Super Mario USA. Mm -hmm. Yep. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Podcast Beyond, episode 315. Remember, the podcast posts every Tuesday on iTunes and your favorite services and IGN if you just want to go there and download it like a weirdo. Uh, but that IGN.com, that's what keeps the mics on. So go there, read the articles, watch the videos, subscribe to IGN Prime, and you can turn off the ads you all hate so much. This big hole in my pants. Why'd you put a hole in your pants? I don't know. I I've been staring at it, actually. It's like perfectly it, square. Wait, yeah, I don't know. what is up with that? I have no idea what happened. It, I washed it and like, I cut it out. You washed <laughs> it and it came back like that? Yeah. That's very strange. I That's mean, forever, really this weird. was like a while back. But yeah, it looks like someone cut exactly, a square yeah. out of it. Yeah, it's really weird. Do you have holes in any other parts of your pants? Uh, no, just here. More interesting areas? That was perhaps? a good joke. Uh, yeah, yeah. The cloning joke? Yeah. Someone's someone trying to clone, clone your jeans. Oh, that yeah. is a really good joke. Yeah. All right. To follow the escapades of Goldfarb's pants, follow him on Twitter at Garfep. I'm at Game Over Greggy. IGN is at IGN. It's easy. Colin is no taxation. Jared Petty is... Petty, comma, Jared. Oh, yeah. But, but you spell comma. Yeah, yeah, you spell P-E-T-T-Y comma. P-E-T-T-Y I don't think they'll use commas on Twitter. All right, so, great. It's pretty much the most terrible Twitter handle ever. No, I like it. No, I like it. People always ask about the comma, though. So, yeah. oh, no, it's, it's like last name, first name. I was going for it. There was some Jared Petty already. Name, rank, so. and serial number. Oh, I'll with that. If you're captured under the Geneva Convention. And that's Gold Farm smacking Colin's face. It's a little thing we share. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It'd be amazing if, like, Colin just belted him. (laughs) 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 Every episode of Podcast Beyond ends in a segment we call Ryan's Wrap-Up, where listeners like yourself submit songs, and we play them here to end this show. Uh, Today's song submission comes from a little band no one's heard of called Life in 24 Frames. They're actually here in the office. How you doing, Chris? You brought a friend. Yes, Andrew. Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Welcome to Podcast Beyond. Thanks. You 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 work the keyboard. Don't don't worry about adjusting your mic. You're fine. You you set up a keyboard here. Chris has his old guitar. What okay, is going so. on? Why do you, why do we keep promoting you? What is happening? All now? right. So <clears throat> we've been working on this record for a long time. We uh, God. When when was when was three hundred? Uh, three hundred was July. Was July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> it was done about then. Uh, we've kind of been holding it for label reasons and stuff but it's we're we're gonna have a release date really soon uh-huh. and so we're gonna do a 
a preview of the whole record live. Ooh. And it'll be at uh, it'll be at UC Davis, which is about an hour outside. Let me get this thing adjusted up here. Get it all up on there. Don't be afraid of it. Mm. There you go. Yeah, right up on it. it it's, it's about an hour. For people who don't know, it's a, a UC Davis uh, is about an hour outside San Francisco. Uh-huh. And uh, they have a, a radio station there, KDVS, which is on 90... What is KDVS? 90.5 These FM? people are listening. They're internet savvy. Which they is, can find it. Yeah, which is uh, kdvs.org if you want to listen to there it. There you go. So we're going to be uh, we're gonna be previewing the album live uh and we're going to be able to have a hundred people in the audience uh while we do it we're going to play the album live front to back all the songs that some have been heard that we posted some haven't and uh actually you're hosting it i am yeah oh that's exciting crazy look at me everybody hosting a radio show so uh it'll be recorded live on friday night what what's the date? December date? yeah. There you uh, go. Friday night. Just show up any what, Friday. Whatever UC Friday. Davis, go to UC fine. Davis. You knock on the radio station door. <laughs> Tell me you're there for life in 24 frames. Uh, so it'll be Friday, December sixth, at nine o'clock. So we have a hundred guest spots for anybody who wants to come. If you want to come and join us and hear the album played live, uh, we're gonna take questions. You can take questions. I'm gonna take questions. Um, have them grill you. Yeah, totally. What does Troy Baker smell like? <laughs> Question number one. Don't, don't save it. Save oh, it. I'm gonna, I'm you gotta come. It. You gotta come Friday, December sixth. There's gonna PM. be there's there's potential very special guests that oh, might be there too. Interesting. Speaking of, <laughs> um, so we have a hundred a hundred guest spots for this. Uh, anybody who wants to come, just email us band at life in twenty four frames dot com. We spent a long time trying to figure out how we should go about doing this, and I think you guys uh, laid the groundwork for us. The easiest, by the way, you, you did beyond three hundred and two hundred. Uh, with just anybody who's interested, just email us. The first um, 100 people that we get will confirm. And yeah. then, uh, just like Beyond 300, Beyond 200, of course, only submit if you're real about it, if you can actually come to the San Francisco Bay Area to come on December 6th, 9 p.m. It's a Friday night. Because if you go ahead and RSVP and then cancel last minute, you've eaten somebody's spot, and we don't want to do that. Yes. So uh, it will be on Friday, and then we'll we'll probably do things we are kind of trying to plan some stuff for the weekend for anybody who wants to stick around for the weekend. If anybody plans on doing like uh, beyond 300 flying out or driving up from somewhere, um, it's in the city of Davis, which is a cool, if anybody's ever been there, it's a cool little college town. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably go out to some bars or whatever afterwards. Cause it ends at 10 30 yeah. and it's a college town. We're going to show these kids how to party. Yeah. I'm going to drink water. Lots of it. <laughs> See, here's the thing. UC Davis, this is where they filmed sorority life on MTV forever ago. And if you remember, that was there? a really boring show. Yes, so we got to show these kids how to party. It's going to be so much better. Bring the beyond pain. As I like to call and it. and if you're if you're looking for a college to go to, and you just want to happen to visit the college, <laughs> time your yeah. you time your college visit. The best time is December sixth at nine p.m. Yeah, you can see get the real UC Davis experience. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of what we're doing. Everything's kind of in the planning stages still. We can now officially announce it because everything's all set. For that day and that okay. time. And then for the people who can't come, again, it will be broadcast the following night, which is Saturday night at 11 p.m. on KDVS, which can be streamed online, kdvs.org. Um, and if you're in the area, it's like 90, 90.3 or 90.7. You can look it up. Okay, uh, great. I can't remember exactly what it is. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Friday, December 6th, 9 p.m. you got to be there. Email, if you can come, rsvp, band at lifein24frames.com. 
right now, you guys are going to play one of these songs to get these kids all riled up for it. Yeah. Oh, I also want to remind everybody that uh, Pandemusk is doing a really, really cool movie-style poster for this show. And everybody who comes is going to get one. Well, there you go. I understand right. Greg um, Miller, Podcast Beyond, Friends, and then you got the band. None of that interests you. But a Panda Musk drawing to have in your house? Come on. That, I mean, how, only 100 made. Wow. That's, until, yeah, that's really good, actually. Until we make more. Until you make more. Yeah. But then, don't tell them about be that. More, but right, there's only 100 don't, made. Don't lie to them about that. What song are you going to play for us now? <clears throat> so we've been posting lyrics all week for the record. Um, we have nine songs on this album. We've been, uh, for the last seven days, eight days, we've been posting uh, lyrics. This is the eighth song that we were supposed to post today, mm-hmm. uh, and it's War Drum. You actually played it for us months ago when we first finished it. I told you it'd probably be our second single. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're gonna play right now. All we're right. gonna play a really raw, stripped down version of it. So something exclusive. I like it. Something different. You'll never Ladies hear it like this again. This has been Podcast Beyond, episode 315. For Ryan's wrap-up, we have Wardrum by Life in 24 Frames. Make sure you email them, band at lifein24frames.com, if you can come out Friday, December 6th at 9 p.m. to UC Davis to see me interview these guys and punch them in the face and try to make them work harder. Yes. So take me away, ladies and gentlemen.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.